Welcome to Passage to Wonderland, literary passages to complete your day. This is a story that caught my breath when I first read it. It's called Laundry, part of a collection of short stories in a new book called Step. The author Deborah Ellis had the compelling idea of looking at children around the world as they turn 11 and the step they take into their futures. Each one is changed in ways both big and small, as in the case of Masood in the story Laundry. Youngest does the laundry. Youngest does the laundry. Youngest does the laundry. Masood recites the annoying phrase in a high-pitched, grumpy voice. He is sick of hearing it every single day. If you just did it, we wouldn't have to tell you, says Habib. You're not my boss. We are all the boss of each other. That's how we survive. Maybe we should ask our jailers if little Masood can go live with the women and babies if he's not grown up enough to do our laundry, says Sudi from across the cell. Masood groans and gets to his feet. There are 21 men in his cell. Masood begins the process of going from man to man, asking if they have laundry. Why can't they just bring their laundry to me? He asked Yamut one day. Why do I have to ask? Yamut has been elected as the president of the cell. It was a job with extra work and no perks. You ask so that you have to talk to everyone, Yamut replied, and then everyone has to talk to you. You can see if someone is not doing well. Besides, it's nice to be asked. So, ask. Be nice. Yamut kept 15 people alive when their raft flipped over just with the power of his words. Yamut was not the name he was born with. He took this name as a symbol of survival. It meant, he shall die. Parents gave their child that name if many of their other children had already died. It was hoped that evil spirits would think the child was already cursed and leave it alone. Before Yamut took over, there was a suicide in the cell every few days. Once there were two in one day. That's when Yamut stood up and said that from now on, they were going to be warriors in the battle against death. He put everyone on a schedule and everyone got a job. You are all officers, he said. Floor officers, morale officers, latrine officers, medical officers. All of the jobs are essential. All of the jobs are of equal value and worthy of equal respect. The floor and wall officers kept the cell clear of dust and insects. The justice officers were in charge of settling arguments. The hygiene officers made sure everyone washed every day. The morale officers planned activities and put together chess sets and other games out of things they could find in the cell and the small yard outside the cell. The religion officers organized study sessions and prayers 
for both the Muslims and the Christians. Masood is the laundry officer. Being an officer does not make him like his job any better. The mats are very close together on the floor. Masood steps carefully around each one and reluctantly asks each man if he has clothes that need washing. Most own only the clothes they are wearing. Masood politely turns his back while the brother prisoner strips and wraps up in a blanket. May I do your laundry? He asks Salim, the next youngest at 17. Salim had won an early place at university, studying mathematics. Yamut made him an education officer, tasked with teaching arithmetic to Masood. It is a job he undertakes with a great sense of superiority. Salim hands over a shirt. Do you have any laundry? He asks Tahir. Tahir is already wrapped in his sheet. Tahir is very old, the oldest in the cell, and very learned. Back home, he was a professor of history at the university. Tahir is in charge of record-keeping. He writes down everyone's name and the names of their family members, hometowns, and dates of birth. He is also in charge of the calendar. With every day so much the same, it can be hard to remember that time still rolls on. I am delighted to give you my clothes to wash, Tahir says, handing them over. And I am delighted to tell you that you are no longer ten years old. Today is your birthday. All the men cheer, and they sing happy birthday to him. Then, to Masood's surprise, there are presents. Tommy, from Niger, gives him a little origami boat to remind you of what brought you to this Libyan prison and what might one day take you away. It's a detention center, someone says, and everyone laughs. They are in a detention center for migrants rescued from the sea, but it feels in every way like a prison. Except, as Salim is fond of saying, in a prison, you have an exit date. We might be here until the end of time. Farad, from Afghanistan, gives Masood a picture he has drawn of a seashell. To remind you that the sea can also be beautiful, he says. Yamut gives him a little statue of a tiny Masood, not as an 11-year-old, but as a superhero, with his hands on his hips and his head held high. It even has a little cape made from a scrap of fabric. It's a mini Masood, Yamut says. I made it out of bread, a trick I learned in prison back home. You get the bread soft with a bit of water, and then you mold it. I'm not good at faces, but that is you. Masood is overwhelmed at all the presents. You all kept it a secret from me. I'm going to give you the best gift of all, Salim says. Just this once, I'm going to help you with the laundry. Celebration over, Masood puts his presents on his mat and finishes collecting the clothes that need washing. Outside their cell is a small courtyard with a high wall around it. 
Masood fills a bucket with water from the tap that only works some of the time. One by one, he puts the articles of clothing in the bucket and swirls them around. Salim takes the shirt or trousers and wrings it out over the bucket to preserve as much of the water as possible, then spreads the clothes out on the courtyard floor to dry. Are you going to try again? Salim asks, if we ever get out of here? It is a question Masood has avoided asking himself. He got on the boat with his parents and three sisters. The boat tipped over, and he floated in a dark sea, until he was plucked from the water and brought to the detention center. He knows Salim knows this. He knows Salim's family is still back in Jordan, miserable in a refugee camp, but alive. He dodges the question. I think I'll join up with some army, he says. Lots of armies take boys my age. I'll learn to drive a tank, and then I'll drive that tank right at the old men who destroyed my country, and I'll blow them right out of their comfortable chairs. Masood's last words are lost in the screech of a jet fighter overhead. He and Salim raise their eyes to the sky. Seconds later, the world explodes. Dust and rocks and chunks of concrete rise in the air. Salim and the birthday boy are thrown off their feet. The world becomes a silent movie. Masood sees Salim scream without sound, raising an arm without a hand at the end. He sees men from his cell stagger out to the courtyard. He sees the hole blasted into the courtyard wall. And then he sees through it to the guards and prisoners running this way and that. He sees the medical officers wrap a cloth around Salim's handless arm to try to stop the bleeding. He sees the guards come through the hole in the wall, weapons drawn, yelling silently at everyone to get back in the cell. They yell at Masood. They kick him. He tries to stand, but can't. They kick him again and put the point of a rifle to his temple. The coolness of the metal actually feels good against the stabbing pain in his head. Then, Yamut is there. And others. They pick him up and carry him into the cell. He feels a wet cloth on his forehead, and his world goes kindly dark. When he wakes up, he hears quiet moaning, quiet talking, and quiet praying. Someone props him up. He drinks. He eats. The brother prisoners take care of him. He sleeps. When he wakes up a third time, the pain in his head is less. He thinks he can stand, and he does. We got caught in their civil war, Yamut tells him. Another cell block took the direct hit. They lost 12 people. We lost Salim. Yamut tells this to him straight on, like he is old enough to hear it. Masud looks through the open door, out to the courtyard, and sees that the prison managers 
have wasted no time repairing the hole in the courtyard wall. He sees that the floor officers are sweeping the floor and the wall officers are cleaning the walls. He sees that the morale officers are setting up chessboards and gathering up the scattered cards of the handmade decks. He sees that the medical officers are checking bandages. He sees that Tahir is putting the record-keeping papers in order, and that everyone not engaged in one of these tasks is in the courtyard, shaking dust from blankets and sleeping mats. Masood sees all these men, beaten down by war, beaten down by dangerous travel, beaten down by imprisonment, and beaten down by loneliness. They are all up and working. He sees men with opinions, with disagreements, and with differences, all doing their part to take care of one another. Masood decides he wants to be one of those men. So he takes a painful step forward and does the laundry. What does it mean to become a man today? Here is Masood, taking a step into adulthood, and we get a glimpse of the man he may become. I've always had a fondness for short stories. I love that they're short, digestible works, and if they're written well, they have a way of startling you, shaking you up, and burrowing deep. That's how I felt after reading Laundry. It makes the mundane seem visionary and the lives of children a mysterious, sacred place. Today's passage was the story Laundry from the book Step, a collection of short stories by Deborah Ellis. It's published by Groundwood Books. Look for Step when it's released this March. Thank you for listening to Passage to Wonderland. Until next time, Rest easy.